Today's reading is Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 5. It can be found on page 853 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was, was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered him with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah went out and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. The word of the Lord. All right. I invite you to pray with me. Let's begin. God of grace, whether we come in here... Uh, and it is a new idea to think about you being gracious and meeting us with grace, or, or whether we come in and um, that is our understanding, but maybe it just never seems to be refreshed enough. Uh, wherever we come from, far from you, near to you, um, questioning, doubting, or embracing you because things have seemed so Life has seemed so full of uh, your blessings and your presence lately. All these different places are the, are the different journeys that we're on as we walk in here this morning. And I pray that you help us to know that we're all in the same boat. We're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And that you do meet us with grace. You meet broken lives and fragmented people with grace. In fact, you take on and came in your son Jesus to take on the brokenness, the mess, and the fragmentation in our place so that we could be brought home to you and live in grace every day of our life. That, in many ways, doesn't make sense to us. So be with us this morning as we try to explore it, help it to come alive, we pray. In Jesus' name, with your Holy Spirit's help, amen. There are just several snapshots, I realized this week, in the Bible of that are, they're all trying to do the same thing with us. They're all trying to get us, at some point, to, to feel the annoyance of grace. 
that was on the screen. You've got all these stories, and the goal of them seems to be, all of them, is to get you, if you haven't yet, to really feel the injustice of it, the annoyance of it. So today we're talking about being annoyed by grace. You think about Jonah, and Jonah's irritated that the, the enemy Ninevites, who are unjust and oppressive and violent, can get forgiven just like that. You look through the Bible, there's all these stories like this. The the prodigal son comes back. He's wasted all his inheritance. And the father greets him by spending more inheritance on a lavish feast for his return. And the older brother's standing there going, I've never left. I've been faithful all along. What is this kind of lavish spending? I've never even had a small party. And then the vineyard worker parable. The Johnny-come-latelys, the lazy folks from the marketplace who haven't been working all day but come in and do one hour, they get paid the same as us who were there at the crack of dawn? That doesn't make any sense. What kind of payroll techniques are going on there with that you know, owner of the vineyard? And on and on. And you could, I'll just throw it in there with it. The, have you ever thought about the, the two criminals on the cross? Maybe you've, heard, you've read this story in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, where one of them kind of stands up for Jesus, and, and he, he's basically wasted his life, clearly. And he's, and he's experiencing the death penalty on, the, on this cross next to Jesus, and just because he has a little turn of heart there on the cross, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And you go, what, what, what is going on with that? Somebody last week on, in the reply on the contact card put it perfectly, um, that... Basically, and they, they quoted Harriet Beecher Stowe, or they sort of paraphrased, I'm not really sure if it's an exact quote, but it says, you run up a tab with the devil your whole life, and then you run out when it comes time to pay. And that's just kind of included in how it works with Jesus and forgiveness. Someone else said that grace feels odd out of context because it's sort of like amnesty for surrender. We process it, and we just kind of go, it doesn't sit right. It has to annoy us. So as, we, so as we try to be annoyed today, as we try to enter into the annoyance, um, let's ask ourselves three questions that come out of all of these stories, and especially the story of Jonah. The first question is, are you grappling with grace enough for it to annoy you? The second is, are you resonating with the right characters in the story? And third, are you carrying out a conversation with God? Grappling enough to annoy you, resonating with the right characters, conversing with God. Let's look at this. First of all, are you grappling enough with grace for it to annoy you? Jonah's, Jonah's a wonderful case. It's, it's humorous um, when you really stop and think about what he's doing. When, he's, when he says, sort of the punchline of our text that was read by Karen, he's, he's mad at God, and what is he mad about? He says, I knew you were slow to anger, gracious, compassionate, and abounding in love. Ah! You know... I knew you'd forgive them, and I'm, you know, I'm going to go sit under this tree, and I just want to die. <laughs> He's mad about this grace. But there's a journey of Jonah that he's engaged with grace and with that God of grace enough to be angry. It's interesting, he's portrayed, this is one of those literary masterpiece kind of things in the Old Testament where this tiny book of Jonah, it's easy to miss, it's, it's just in, in this Bible here that you guys have, it's just two pages one side of each page, and so it can be kind of hard to find. Um, and there it is. It's short, and if you, if you kind of pay attention to the literary stuff, scholars have pointed out, it's got this confessional 
kind of picture to it, where Jonah is represented as the true Israelite. And so there's three confessional statements, confessional like professing his faith, and there's, there's one at the beginning, one at the end, and one right in the literary midpoint of the, of the book. So in, in chapter 1, he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship Yahweh. I'll just do the Hebrew word there, God's name, Yahweh. And he says, the, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And at the end, or in the very midpoint, he says, I will say, salvation comes from Yahweh. And then at the end, he says, Yahweh, basically, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Yahweh, take my life. Interesting. He's portrayed as someone who's, who's a confessional Israelite, who's engaged in the faith of, of, of God, the Yahweh. Um, those statements that we had earlier in the service around the time of confession, you notice it's the same kind of language. You're a God, it, it's, it's God revealed his name and said, I am compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. These are key markers of who he is. And Jonah is engaged with that. He's deeply engaged with this God. So the question is, are, can you be around this God long enough to be annoyed by him and annoyed by his grace? Can you know him deeply enough? Can you engage with him deeply enough to, to feel the annoyance? There's alternative places you can rest. Probably one of the most common ones is to say, um, well, you know, I, I, I picture God and I think of God as someone who, you know, always forgives me, loves me very much, and understands my best interest, that I always have my best interests in play, and, and he's always very accepting of me. And that sounds, a lot of that is like, okay, true, but it's sort of like the God who just turns the other way. It's the God who never really enters in, a God who never really fully grapples with my mess. I come out with that kind of view, just being someone who's making these slight sort of mistakes. And what it does is it shortchanges the depth of the relationship with God and doesn't show God to be the God as Jonah says. You're the God from whom salvation comes. And what is salvation? But it, that means someone needs to be saved. That means you're in, so, you're in trouble. It's not just, I've got a few rough ed- edges and God kind of knows my heart's in the right place. That's the God I believe in. Jonah's grappling and entering into the God of grace enough to be annoyed by it. Are you? It might not just be grace that you're annoyed by because um, I love how, uh, you know, Philip Yancey, I was reading him this week in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? And, and it's interesting how he puts this. He basically says that he compares uh, the play Amadeus and makes an interesting comparison to the biblical book of Job, all of it kind of saying grace and the problem of evil or the problem of pain are kind of two sides of one coin. He says, the author of the book of Job ponders why God would punish the most righteous man on the face of the earth. The author of Amadeus ponders why God would reward an undeserving brat. The problem of pain meets its match in the scandal of grace. Just to say, okay, maybe you didn't come in here annoyed by grace, but maybe on the other hand, you, you just like so many people that I've, I've talked to and that I've uh, walked the journey of faith with, where it's, it's a different point of annoyance and anger. You know, it seems like I'm not getting my due, or it seems like someone I know, they've done so well and they're not getting their due. The problem of pain, the scandal of grace. Two sides of the same coin. And these are the kinds of things to just expect if, you, if you're entering into the, 
a deep engagement with this God of the Bible. Don't settle for a shallow, um, a shallow, distant kind of uh, grandpa far away who just kind of has good thoughts and feelings for me. Have you entered into this relationship with this God who says, says, I'm gracious to a point of annoyance. <laughs> okay, so are you grappling with God enough to, to be annoyed by his grace? But secondly, are you resonating with the right characters in the story? Quite frankly, quite, quite, um, quite frankly, it's too infrequent that we connect with the stories or with the characters in these stories that I just mentioned enough that we really resonate with the right characters. Our, our gut is to say, I'm like Jonah. I'm like the elder brother. I'm like, um, what are some of the other ones I mentioned? I'm like those vineyard workers who were there all day. This is what um, the quote from your worship guide, another Philip Yancey quote, where he says, occasionally, all too occasionally, I sense the truth of grace. There are times when I study the parables and I grasp that they are all about me. I am the sheep the shepherd has left his flock to find, the prodigal son for whom the father scans the horizon, the servant whose debt has been forgiven. I am the beloved of God. You look at these parables and you say, have you resonated with the prodigal, the one who, who, who has really wasted all scandalously and returned to see if God is gracious? Have you, you, know, have you entered into the story of Jonah and said, maybe I'm like the Ninevites. <laughs> it's not the common way to enter in. Maybe I'm like those vineyard workers who were hired last. Who do you resonate with? One of my favorite comedians is Louis C.K., and, um, and he, has, he, he does some funny things getting us to laugh, and, and who are we resonating with when he, when he tells some of these jokes. Um, he's got one joke where, he, where he, he basically says, you know, people will stand there and, and go, you know, waiting for their cell phone signal, and it takes two seconds longer than they expect, and they'll say, I hate Verizon. And he says, what you, what, how can you even say that you hate Verizon? Why don't you make one then? You know, it's kind of this idea of like, are you even, are you doing anything to make Verizon happen? And it's two seconds late and you're complaining. And then he has this phrase, I think it's a, it's a biting way to pull off the joke, but it has a kind of humorous ring to it. He said, he calls that kind of person a non-contributing zero. Um, I mean, just really harsh words, right? And, and we're all laughing if you're, if you're kind of listening to him and listening to his jokes. In an interview, he'll admit, where does that line of joke come from? It comes from seeing himself be that way. I've seen him admit this in it. Well, who is that person I'm making you laugh at? It's me. You know, and we'll sit there and we'll laugh. At, oh, yeah, those dumb people that say, oh, I hate it when people say that too. And, you know, he's telling a joke that comes from seeing that in himself. In many ways, that's what we're doing under this point, is that we're saying, are you turning within the story or the joke or the whatever, and are you saying, like, I am the Ninevite, I am the non-contributing zero, I am the person, the lazy person in the marketplace who comes in and works an hour. Are you able to make that switch? There's another parable we haven't referenced yet in Matthew 18, which is all part of the same kind of collage of things that are getting you to enter into grace, except this one's a little more head-on. It's the one in Matthew 18 where there's someone who's called the unmerciful servant. And he's forgiven this ridiculous debt. It's like a million-dollar debt, 
and he goes before the one he owes, this king or this noble, I forget exactly what person it is, and he goes before his master, and the person is so wealthy and, and has so much that they can, that he feels compassion and can just forgive that huge lifelong debt. And the next thing that happens is the servant goes out and is choking and throwing in jail the person who owes him like a month's wages. It's the unmerciful servant. And that's the parable where you can't make the mistake of resonating with the wrong person because that one is saying, that is you. <laughs> Every single one of us is that person who is forgiven a lifelong, lifetime debt. That is you in this relationship with God. Part of moving and entering into this annoyance of grace and getting where God wants you to get with that is to finally find yourself in the right place in this exchange. I am that person. And you can go through the list of all these people in these parables like I just did and say, you know, try really hard to resonate. You can hit that straight on and go, yeah, let me think about what that's like. Let me apply that. Let me put that lens over top of my life. I am that person. I am the Ninevites. I am the younger son who squandered it all. You know another really fun, not actually not fun, I'm being facetious, a fun way to apply this in life is take someone in your life that annoys you a lot. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker. Take somebody who, and you know, maybe there's some unfairness to the annoyance. There's a way in which, you know, they're just, you know, they're not doing their part. They're not doing the kind of expected things that you think are the right things to do in life. And it just kind of adds these little, over time, the bitterness kind of builds the layers of annoyance. Do you have somebody in mind? You know, it's not very hard, right? I see some thumbs up. You know, it's okay, now you're thinking of this person... And then you just, when you're in this kind of situation, try it this week, then do this little switch. Maybe you've done this before. Do the switch and say, that's me with God. <laughs> okay, so it's a very practical thing because you run into annoyances very often. That's me. The way I feel right now, the way I kind of want to react, now think about God defaulting to grace. Now think about God as the one who, um, I'm excessively burdening, burdening with the unfairness of the relationship. In fact, think about it through how God has dealt with us. I'm the one who's continually putting the same kind of burdens on the shoulders of Jesus as he goes to the cross. That's the way the Bible, you know, that's, that's, if you're a Christian, if you're trying to figure out grace and you want to enter into it, there's a daily application point right there to convict you and say, wait a second, okay, that's a picture of how radical God's love is for me. Now you can enter into it. Now you're, you know, now you're resonating with the right character in the story. And then the final thing is to have a conversation with God about it. This is very interesting. You know, are you carrying out a conversation with God? Another thing you notice about all of these stories that I've referenced and that the woman on the screen talked about, all of them end with this, this beautiful kind of exchange between the person who's angry or sees the unfairness and the God figure in the parable. Or, you know, with Jonah, it's God himself. Jonah's having it right at the end there. It leads sort of with just this conversation. It sort of has a cliffhanger. Prodigal son. The father and the older son are talking it out. And it ends again as sort of a cliffhanger. And the cliffhanger is, are you going to enter into the party of God's grace, the festivities of the lavishness of God's grace? Are you going to enter in? Are you going to figure out how to as you converse with God? And, you know, a lot of this is just, can I find some way to unlearn the tit-for-tat, kind of earn your way into relationship that we expect to bring into 
grace? Can I get out of the achievement reward roundabout? How am I going to do that? How is a conversation with God going to help with that? Well, if you've begun to do the second question of, you know, starting to resonate with, say, the Ninevites, the non-contributing zero, if you've started to say, okay, I'm going to try to resonate, I'm going to try to see myself as that, then you're ready for a key move. And that is the move, it's very natural from that point, is to see others as God sees them. I think it's a, it's a powerful way to talk about it when you, when you look at the prodigal son story. A lot of people have noted this, that the real goal of the prodigal son story is to, everyone in the story needs to move closer to how the father acts. You know, you might see yourself in the story as the younger son or the older son, but for everyone, the real goal is to become like the father. Can you, can you become like the father? That's the goal. That's the goal of God talking it out with you. That's why he puts the conversation ball in your court. I was talking to someone this week, and it was so good to hear them say, you know, the last couple of years spiritually for me have been this transformation, this turning a corner into the world of grace. Grace being more of the dominant theme. It was so good to hear because I know how hard that is. I know how difficult that is to to get to the point where you say, I've made this transition. I've I've transitioned into grace really coming alive and being dominant. You've got to talk it out. You've got to have a conversation with God and hash it out. Let me close with just a few of the kind of questions that are involved in that. And this comes from um, the Tuesday night pod who have been, they've been just wrestling with this issue of grace even before we started this uh, series. In fact, the series started out of a lot of their questions. And so a couple weeks ago, I get this text message, you know, in the evening after the meeting is done. It's just all these questions, you know. Um, you get a, as a pastor, you get a bunch of texts of questions and you feel like, oh, I'm supposed to have the answers. Um, but I kind of calmed, you know. Find that place of centering. I don't have the answers to these questions. And so then I'm just going to read, instead of my answers, I'm just going to read these questions and suggest, are you, are you on this journey of questioning with the folks who are also doing it in the Tuesday pod? What exactly is grace? You grappling with that? How do we possibly accept it? And how do we demonstrate it? If I have a hard time bestowing grace and forgiveness to others, is that a sign that I have a hard time accepting it myself? Hmm. Are you in a conversation with God about grace? Let's pray. A gracious, gracious, gracious God. <laughs> As we move towards a time where we, um, there's a musical offering offering of our gifts and worship and then towards the Lord's Supper. We mostly just have loose ends when it comes to the topic of grace. We pray that you help us to engage with those loose ends and help some of them to connect in ways that transform us, that help us to see you better and know you better, and help our hearts to be settled as we wrestle with our fears, our brokenness, our worries that if we just let go and walk along the cliff, the edge of the cliff that it feels like grace is, that somehow we will fall off. Would you help us, please? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.